Listen to this this weekend as we prepare for another great week together. Damon Conley here, Class 242, Second Prayers. We are walking slowly through Romans chapter 2, or I guess Romans uh, completely. It's been such a great time to walk through this wonderful book. And what we're going to start new is uh, just start sending the short version of what we discussed in class, what we talked about in class. So, as many of you who are traveling for different reasons or unable to come, we just want to make sure you stay connected with us and at least knowing what we're doing, what we're teaching. So we're going to try this thing out and kudos and thanks to our leadership, of our class, Dan and for uh, Andrew Fisher for allowing us to do this and keep this going. We just feel like it's be a great way for us to again be able to communicate with you with what we have been teaching uh, just as a follow-up, and for you know, those who are there, you know, as a refresher. Uh, and again, it's very, very short. My goal is to try to do 10 minutes. That's hard for me to do anything uh, 10 minutes, but we're going to try to make this happen, make this reality for us as we continue to grow together. But this past weekend, this past weekend, uh, Sunday, um, we got a chance to look at uh, Romans chapter 2 a little more. And uh, got some really good stuff out of it. So this was uh, Sunday, <coughs> would have been September the 24th. And um, Romans is a very fascinating book, great book. And we, we started this probably about three, four weeks ago. And I knew that the problem would be that um, trying to go through Romans at any pace is difficult. I mean, you can, we could do these like two verses at a time. They're hard, uh, very significant, but... Um, I was advantageous to think that we could make it happen and do big chunks, big pericopes at a time. And as those who've been in class and as you're going to see here, since we've been in this thing about four or five weeks, we barely, we barely scraped the surface of, of chapter two, but nevertheless, we're going to stay on track with what we're doing. And, um, it was, it was no different uh, this past week. So, uh, just for the sake of time, not to read the entire, chapter two or even really the entire section uh, that we have let, let me read this romans chapter two verse um i guess i read 17 and um 17 through 21 maybe and then we, we can go from there okay uh romans chapter 2 17 21 says now if you call yourself a jew and rely on the law and boast in god know his will and approve the things that are superior being instructed from the law. And if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal. Do you steal? 
You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob their temples? Let me stop there. Um, Paul has been making the case ever since uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, the end of chapter 1, if you were with us, we, we saw just this category of, of sins that uh, had been produced all because kind of one of the main points in Romans chapter 1 is just the suppressing of the truth. Uh, if you go back to Romans chapter 1, 18 talks about the wrath of God that has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress truth. So for weeks now, we've been kind of working off that, kind of using that suppression of the truth as our pivot foot as we looked at what that causes to happen, what that causes to take place. So when you suppress the truth of the gospel uh, to those who know about God, so we talked about the general revelation, uh, natural revelation, where we, all people, have no excuse to not realize or know that there is a God just by nature, by looking at what he has created. <clears throat> Even though we realize it doesn't lead necessarily to saving faith, but, but no one can say that they don't know who God is or know that there is a God that exists based off nature. But because we would rather worship what has been created than the creator, God gave them over to uh, the base uh, mind he gave them over to the lust of their hearts in their impurity. And because of this, this kind of spiraling down, we saw at the end of chapter one, it was just a list of sinfulness that was uh, becoming of the entire society. And we just talked about how, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we, we see that even now, even in our city, around our world. The fact that the truth of God has been suppressed by those who know the truth, by those who don't know the truth, by the people of God who are not speaking out and stepping up in moments that are appropriate for what uh, is needed in our time and in our country, like allowing things to take place, uh, not speaking truth in love. Uh, however, we've seen just different uh, kind of waves of history where we, we speak the truth. We do it in a very crass way. We do it in a way that uh, is not honoring the God. Um, <clears throat> we think we're honoring God the way we attack and all those things. But speaking the truth in love has not taken place. And so now our, our children are affected by it. Uh, we discussed even how um, instead of church hopping, there are so many people who are religion hopping, religion hopping. So, you know, the, the starting point, if you grew up in a Christian household and as soon as you kind of get on your own, you're going to hop around and you're going to try different things, uh, not not try different churches or different denominations. We're trying different things. So they may be into the, the mystics um, one week. They uh, they may do Islam for some months. They, they might try some other things. So they're dabbling into things because we have not <clears throat> done a good job of speaking the truth in love. And because we can't do that. Right. There's more suppression that's taking place. There's more idolatry. That is happening. And so we're at this place in Romans chapter two, where Paul says, look, everybody is under this this wrath of God, this judgment is coming uh, forth. He says, look, if you're a moralist, you're, you're even guilty as well. The moralist would look at that list in chapter one. It says, oh, that's not us because, you know, we don't do these things like they, they are physically doing these things. 
the moralists say, hey, we're not doing it. We're good. Our hands are clean. And Paul tells them, hey, yeah, you might not be actively doing it and doing the physical components, but you're thinking these same thoughts. And we can't judge what you're thinking in your mind in the same way as the, the physical, tangible things we see from people who are showing us that they're walking in darkness. Those who have not come to faith in Christ, they are doing these things, these uh, sexual acts. They are robbing and stealing. They are uh, uh, lying. All those things that we can tangibly see and feel and express. He said, look, don't don't cast judgment yet. Don't don't cast judgment on these individuals because you're doing these things, too. These things are in your mind. You are unrepentant in your heart. And he says, storing up wrath for yourself on the day uh, that, that, that God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So he says, those who are unbelievers, right? You're under this wrath of God, this that this holy justice, uh, just wrath of God. But he says, look, the moralists, th those who think that they're good. You're under this same thing as well. And then he switches over and says, even those who feel like they have the law and the covenant, those who uh, were people of the promise, who would say the other two groups, the, the unbeliever, uh, <laughs> uh, the moralist, the person who's doing good, even, even those who said they have the law. He says, look, you are messed up, too. Why? Because God is not always concerned, even though the outwardly things are a bit of a concern. He says, look, I'm concerned about the circumcision of the heart. The physical circumcision, yes, that's great. That's a great sign. That's a great reminder to you. It should be a reminder uh, to your families. But I am concerned with the circumcision of the heart. And and we took this piece and we made a, a beeline to Matthew um where Jesus was, was talking about uh, that wonderful uh, kind of Sermon on the Mount piece where he talks about, you know, unless your righteousness exceeds that, exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter heaven. And we said right after that, he just kind of gives a couple of lists of things that um, shows the difference of the outward circumcision versus what he is concerned with is the inward circumcision of the heart. Right? Remember this? So we, we went to... Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5, under the section where Christ fulfills the law, and, you know, he gives us this very, uh, very uh, kind of hard thing. For if I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right after that, murder. You have heard, that's the law. It said, do not murder. Whoever murders will be subject to judgment. I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Outward versus inward. Adultery. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. Okay, that's the, that's the law. I tell you, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Outward versus inward. So what, what Paul is doing, what, he, what he's painting to us, what he's trying to tell even those, the, the, those people who say, hey, we, we're part of the people of the covenant. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we got this thing right. All this stuff you're saying about this holy judgment of God, this wrath that uh, is, is a holy wrath, it's a just wrath. You ain't talking to us. He says, nope, everyone, everyone has to consider
their part, has to consider their heart, has to consider their life as they think through how we're going to make the most of what God has called us to do in our world so that we can positively affect the lives of other people. Um, And that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, And, you know, and that's our hope, you know, as we go in even to this next week, our hope is that uh, as we go through Romans, that before we begin to look at other people, measure ourselves to whether it's other people in our class or people in our neighborhood, people we're aspiring to be or people who we're trying to, to impress, that we would consider our hearts, consider how we are living because those things have huge implications on others, on our kids. And I gave examples of how the conversations even with my kids and how I thought, hey, I'm doing good. I'm, you know, I can fit myself in this moralist area. I do this right. I take the kids to school on time. I feed them. I protect them. I provide for them. And, and, and my daughter reminds me every time we get in the car, about uh, the way I'm acting when somebody cuts us off in traffic or they're not moving fast enough for me. And just the anger that comes about. And, and even though she's talked to me and I've been trying not to say anything, she she can feel it and sense it with my body motions. <laughs> when, when I've been trying not to say anything because I've gotten in trouble, she tells mom, dad was complaining at the car, they can't hear him. And, and, you know, I had to kind of think through that and say, you know what, maybe it's not just the car thing. Even though I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm right because they're not driving the speed limit or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a deeper issue. Maybe it's, it's my heart and, and my anger that I thought I had, uh, overcome. And so I, even myself at times have to reassess What's going on in my heart? Because it's showing itself even to my kids. So wait, that's just a quick little rundown to get you caught up uh, from last week. As we move forward, we are looking to see how God will speak to us in Romans. I believe we're in Romans chapter 3 from here. This week, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I think that's where we'll be at. Uh, so I'm looking forward to get, being with you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, hope you have a, a great week, great weekend.